everyone. I'm Kelsey Litchfield, joined by Jennifer Campbell and Karen Corrigan, and this is Girls Talk Ad. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Girls Talk Agriculture. I'm joined by Karen Corrigan and Jennifer Campbell. And I don't know about you two. I tweeted about this this morning. But I haven't seen any combines in the field yet, but I know harvest is here because I'm sneezing a ton. What about you? I do know there's a couple here and there kind of up in your area that have started a little bit. Around here, it's just too wet. You know, nothing has dried down to the point where anybody wants to start with it. But I did notice the last two or three days, the soybeans seem to be turning pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And I think the weather we're supposed to have over the weekend will probably move that along a little bit too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw Chad Berger started over on the Indiana-Illinois line. Um, He started, I think, today or yesterday. He started yesterday because his dad doesn't like to start things on a Friday. So they had to start. Okay, I knew someone made the comment about starting something on a Friday. And so that's who it was. Why would that Um, be? Why Friday? It's a superstition to start, you know, don't start on a Friday. Is that for everyone? Finish. Oh, it's just a superstition. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Like you're not supposed to start planting, you're not supposed to start harvesting don't start anything on a Friday that you can't finish and something about work if you work on a Sunday you'll repair on Monday what is that yeah uh, I think that's it yeah you'll fix it on Monday work on Sunday fix it on Monday our family just we just go when we can go (laughs) mother nature tells us yeah um I, I think maybe somebody said one or two people it the crops have changed quite a bit over the last eight days around here, but I tell you what, we're still green as middle of summer. Most of our stuff is still green. Um, we probably have some, uh, in the past three days, I've seen some change in the beans, and, and but we're, we're going to be well after October 1st before we get started. It, it could be a late fall. Interesting. Well, we have to remember there was a lot of stuff that was planted later too. Yeah, we, yeah, that's true. Um, but it's going to be a late fall around here. Um, I don't know. Fall will be different. Yeah. Fall will be different. Can we talk about that first? Is that okay? Yeah. 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 So you, you recently lost your father-in-law. How long ago was that? It was very recently. Was it just past (laughs) couple months? It feels like yesterday. Um, I think he's been gone for, gosh, has probably not a month yet it may be a month I can't remember I I honestly don't remember right now well let's talk about he was an integral part of the farm correct so uh, so yeah so um he's been farming his whole life he was 80 uh been farming his whole life I mean literally until I looking back now on the last few days that he had his heart attack um I think he was mowing the grass and having a heart attack um the last conversation I had with him had gone back to get our lawnmower out and he was getting his lawnmower out um I don't know it's all kind of a blur it's kind of funny I've worked with my father-in-law for 30 years and he was he was a male chauvinist he was very hard to work with he was very stubborn but 
Chris, I think Chris said it best. Um, I, I lost my dad 12 years ago. And I remember thinking how hard it was, don't get me wrong, but it was not going to affect my everyday life because I did not see my dad every day. It was going to affect my mom's everyday life. It was going to affect my brother's everyday life and my sister-in-law because they saw him every day. They farmed with him. They worked with him. But but generally, it was not going to affect my everyday life. Um and I still missed him and it was still traumatic. Don't get me wrong, but i tell you what, when you see someone every day and suddenly they're gone, um, you go through a lot of emotion you don't expect. I, I always, every time someone says something about it, I think, I don't know how someone who literally pissed me off daily made me cry so much. And I, I, it's... It's, it's hard for words. And I think Chris said it best when he said, it's just poof, they're gone. It's, there's no, he was, he had a heart attack on a Saturday um, in the hospital for um, seven days and, um, and died. Let's see. He was, he was in the hospital for nine days, I guess, and died on and the following Monday. So over a little over a week. Um, it's just weird because he was here daily. I mean, daily. He was either driving by, we were working together, we saw him. He, there was, it was a constant, multiple times a day interaction. Um, it's I, re I recently, not to interrupt you, but I recently did an interview with um, a farming couple local to me, the Holsizer family. It's actually going to be an interview that I'll publish on the Real Reveal, which is little plug launching next week anyways but um matt's dad um committed suicide back in 2013 and he said it was strange because you didn't have time to grieve this was in the middle of harvest season they had things they had to immediately go do they had to go do chores they had to um get the crops out and everything like that like when you have a farm they said you have to continue life even yeah. though someone's someone's no longer part of it you have to continue on because there's animals relying on you with them it was in the middle of october they had work to do and it was a strange time for them to cope with that grief it's not just the grief it's the coping i think um there is grief and and when my dad died i remember reading about the seven stages of grief and i'm like you go through them, you, you go through them multiple times. Um, you're like, okay, well that's done. That didn't take long. And then you, you start them over again. And, um, it's kind of funny. I, I, I think I'm going through them again for my dad and for my father-in-law. Um, someone who's in your life every day, like you, this sounds weird, but you, you kind of, expect to lose your grandparents. I mean, that's just, you know, part of it. And, and I know that like everyone dies, so you should expect to lose your parents or your, you know, but it, it's a different, it's a different level. It's weird. I, I, I still, even 12 years after my dad died, it's still hard to process. And, and I feel like I'm processing it all over again and not getting anywhere. Um, but you okay. had said that while you were in the hospital with your father-in-law, you were feeling some PTSD from when your dad died too. Oh, big time. Uh, uh, yeah, a, a lot. Um, it's really, it's weird. I, I don't even think 
anything can prepare. I can tell you what it was like, but everybody processes it a little differently. And I don't even think that even if I told you yours would be the same. It's, it's, I Do you know your dad was going to pass away? Was he, or was it sudden like your father-in-law with a heart attack? So my dad was actually in the hospital for 30 days um, with leukemia. And it's, it, it's funny, not ha-ha, but funny odd. Hindsight is such 2020. And I remember thinking after my dad died, all the things that the doctor had said to us that we just didn't listen to or didn't interpret the way the doctor wanted us to interpret them. And, um, and I remember thinking after my dad died and realizing that hindsight's 2020 and the doctor said this and what I should have taken from it was not, you know, what I did, but hey, this is not good. And um, I thought at the time, I'll never let that happen again. I'll be prepared. And damned if I was not prepared for this, because I can, I can go back now and see in the, in the nine days that my father-in-law was in the hospital, different things that doctors said to us that were, hey, this isn't good. And, and I think we all, and I, and I can only speak for myself, sat there going, okay, so we can get over this. We'll just do this and this. And I'm, Chris and I go round and round this because he is very practical and very numbers oriented. And I'm very emotional. My, my, my decision, most of my decisions and how I react to things are very emotional. So, so dealing with people who are very practical, it is a little complicated for me. Um, and, and I see the advantage to it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it, it's a little, it's hard to deal with people when you're emotional and they're not. And it's hard for them to deal with someone who is emotional when they're not. It can cause some, some strife. Um, I, 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 it's the hindsight thing that always gets me. I, I, I go back and I think hindsight's 2020, Jennifer, you, you know, which it always is. But how come I'm not learning? <laughs> you know, why aren't I learning that I need to listen closely and I think it's a mindset, some of it, like you're not ready to hear that. But it was also a traumatic experience. So, I mean, I don't think you can beat yourself up about not hearing it. I mean, yeah. Um, and, and I just keep going over and over my head. I don't know how someone who can piss me off on the daily make me so upset that they're, that they're gone. Um, I you wouldn't like being pissed off. <laughs> I guess. That's what Chris says. You just like being pissed off. Um, I 100% um, will tell you that my father-in-law and Chris made me the farmer that I am, 100%. I grew up on a farm, um, but um, we didn't do a lot of farm work. We didn't help. Um, the first time I drove a tractor for my dad was a disaster. Um, but my father-in-law was very old school, very male chauvinistic. Um, and, and I think the older he got, um, the more solid he got in that stand. Um, it's, and so my, so in the past, oh gosh, I don't know, 10 years, maybe I have planted all the soybeans and Chris has planted all the corn and, um, a landlord who works for us works ground in front of me. And my father-in-law works ground in front of Chris for the corn. Um, 
and I used to work ground in front of my father-in-law when he planted the corn and nothing is more intimidating than that. I mean, cause that man could feel everything in a tractor. Now you missed this tiny little sliver of ground right here. And, um, but, but fall is gonna be very different because my, my father-in-law ran the combine. From the day I joined his family until last fall, he has been the combine operator. Cole has op operated the combine on and off some and Chris on and off some, but your primary combine operator has been my father-in-law. Um, and so, and he's not here. That's gonna put us in a little bit of a bind this year because with Cole, um, you know, working on plan B over at, at Reynolds, working full-time as John Deere Ag Tech, um, he won't be here to help. So, you know, Chris and I and um, a couple guys who work for us part-time are, are going to bring in this crop. And it's, um, I think it's going to be a marriage tester. Is Jen going to be the combine operator? You can join me and be part of the combine club. Well, <laughs> I, I, the plan is, yes, I will be doing some. I have never run a combine. <laughs> never. I mean, I just, it's just not. It wasn't anything that I ever did. I've run the grain cart for years. Um, I don't know. I always thought I wanted to run the combine. Now I'm a little, uh, it's kind of big shoes to fill, I guess. Nerve it's nerve wracking because it all depends on you ultimately. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And um, I can catch on the go. I don't know if I can unload on the go. So I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I have said for the past five years, I would like to plant a crop and harvest it. And now that it's time to do that, I'm like, yeah, I changed my mind. I'm a little, it's, it's, it's funny. I don't know if this is kosher to say or not, or if it makes me a good or a bad person, whatever, but like it was, if I could run the combine while he was still here, I think I might be able to handle it, but taking someone's spot who, am I making, does that make sense? I can't, I don't know that I can get the words. You're not just that. combining, you're taking someone's spot. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, I'm not just doing it because I, I'm learning and getting the chance. It's, it's, now there's no choice. And yeah, you're taking someone's spot. Have patience with yourself. I remember the first time I had to unload on the go running the combine, I was terrified. What if it spills? What if I'm not going fast enough? And, you know, it, it was just, it was something you just gradually learned and now no prob doing it. Let's go, let's roll. But I had to give myself grace and um, my um, family gave me, were patient about it, which is saying one thing, but they say, you have to learn. You can't keep stopping. You can't do that all the time. We'll give you grace to do it in the beginning. But, you know, right. you have to learn this and, you know, it came along, you know, it's just, it's just something you gotta, I said, Jen, you gotta put your big girl shoes on and just go and get her done. So yeah. Jen, you need to run to Kelsey's place, get a couple of lessons before your crop is ready. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, and, 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 you know, I've got talk Cole, at combine school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cole and Chris, Chris is the most patient person alive and, and, and Cole, he'll, he, he knows that combine front to back and he'll be, he'll be good, but he, he is very, and I raised him this way. Get your, get your balls out of your purse and put them on. Let's go. We got shit to do. 
let's do it. And that's how, and that's how I raised him. And that's how I expect my kids to work. And so it's only fair that they expect me to work that way too. But I didn't know it would come back to bite me in the ass like that. Um, <laughs> you know, and I, I had to learn to run the grain cart and you have to learn to, you know, run the planter and the tillage tool. So I, I, I'm just very, just in all honesty, I'm very intimidated by not just the machine itself, but, but the shoes I'm having to fill. Yeah. And that's very understandable. And correct me if I'm wrong. Have you ran the semi too? I, it's not pretty, but I do run the semi. See, you do. If you can do that, I think you can run a combine. No problem. I, um, I do run this. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. And actually, Chris and I were just talking this morning. Um, we have we have three semis. They all three have different shift patterns. Don't ask me what they are. I know one's like a super 10 or something like that. I don't know. And I can run them. Um, again, it's not pretty. But we we are, Chris and I talked about this morning, um, renting a um, day cab automatic semi. Um, because um, knock on wood, I think we're looking at a really good harvest, mm-hmm. um, late, but really good. And, um, we are going during the day, we are going to be hard pressed for some truck drivers. And, um, we haul most of our corn here into the bins, but all of our, um, soybeans go over to Bungie and Morristown, which is quite a haul. And, and I, I'm not scared to drive a semi, the length doesn't bother me of the size, but when I'm concentrating on the gear shifting pattern, I, it, it throws me for a loop. So if we had an automatic, I, I would haul to Morristown because the size and, and the length doesn't bother me. Um, so we'll see. We, we thought about renting a, now Cole again said, mom, you can drive a semi, just get your balls out of your purse and do it. And I'm like, yeah, but that's a long way and a lot of traffic and I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what it's like. I have complete faith. We can get it done. It's going to be different. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot different. Um, you will get it done. Just have, be kind to yourself. Yeah. This we'll, whole we'll get it done. It's going to be a lot different. It's going to be a lot different, um, mood and atmosphere. I think, um, emotionally, emotionally it will, I think it will be hard as well, mm-hmm. but, um, it's amazing what um how someone can have so much what's the word I'm looking for just presence presence that is exactly the word I'm looking for Karen presence over over your life um and and farm families I think feel that deeply multi-generational farm families feel that deeply um I have to laugh when when the queen died at the queen of England and uh, <laughs> they were to all those memes that went around about how um poor uh Prince Charles spent all of his life hunting and fishing and playing around and at 73 he got called in to work full-time and then um the one about uh waiting your whole life to uh drive the combine drive the combine or take over the farm um what what was that one it had a pam from friends on it and it said um the differences between these two i'll to find it i'll tweet it on girls talk ag um but it's so funny that you know the similarities mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, I've seen those memes floating around and they gave me a good chuckle as well. <laughs> it was ag succession planning, you know. Yes. Similar to, yes, a 73-year-old man being called up to finally work, waiting his whole life. It was ag succession planning. Yeah. Um, all my father-in-law wanted to do was farm and literally did that up until the second he went into the hospital. What a great life. Um, so yeah. And, and, and that's, he, I, he would have been the most miserable person to have in rehab. I'll just be mm. honest with you right now. He wouldn't have sat still. He wouldn't have wanted to do anything that they told him to do all And it would have, it, it would have literally for lack of a better word, killed him to be in rehab during harvest. So, um, it was a pretty massive heart attack, correct? massive massive heart attack and, and uh, um 99% blockage mm. and so on so friday on the friday he had he was having knee replacement surgery on a tuesday that friday he'd gone in for his like pre-op stuff to see the doctor whatnot and he and my mother-in-law told the doctor said his chest was tight and he didn't it wasn't feeling right he'd been tired and and you know out of breath and his, his chest was tight that was the main thing and he didn't complain I mean he didn't complain the only reason the man was having knee surgery was because he wanted to climb up in the combine and he knew it wasn't going to be possible um because his he needed knee surgery for a long time um and the doctor told him it's just anxiety. Go home. I'll see you Tuesday. Oh, not even kidding. Uh, how, and, and I know doctors have it hard. I'm not putting down doctors, but, um, I, um, he, I gotta get my train of thought. Hang on a second. I just got a message. Um, he doesn't, he didn't complain. So if someone says, you know, I've got tight chest, Plus you're getting ready to do surgery on them Tuesday. Who does surgery on an 80 year old man without some sort of heart tests? Am I, am I wrong here? I, I don't know. Some sort of, I don't know. I'm really anyway. surprised they would replace his knees at 80. Cause it seems like even making it through the surgery might be a little bit more than he could handle. So, so they, so then Saturday he mowed the grass and, um, Oh no, Friday. So Friday he got home from the doctor and he mowed the grass and they had company at their house on Saturday and he wasn't feeling good. Saturday night, he finally said, I, I, you know, my mother-in-law took him to the hospital. They took him to Johnson Memorial in here. And they said, oh, this is a, this is a major heart issue. We need to transfer you up to St. Francis. I don't know, uh, community North, community South. I don't know, another hospital. And, um, so two things occurred to me, if he hadn't gone in and had that heart attack on Saturday night, he would have had it on the table during knee surgery at Johnson Memorial on Tuesday. And they do no heart catheterization or anything at that hospital. Mm. He would have been SOL. Mm. So they took him up there and, um, they did a 99%, he had a 99% blockage, did a cath, um, I mean, it's surprising he could have even been out mowing the lawn with 99%. Right? Oh my gosh. And um, so eventually they had to move him, put a, put a uh, 
it's not a trait, but uh, down your throat. What is that? Incubation? No, in intubation. Intubation, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Incubation, that's for chickens. Um, and um, I remember the doc and moving into ICU. And I remember the doctor coming in and saying, uh, talking to my mother-in-law and I and saying, um, how long had he been having pain? And, and my mother-in-law said, oh, well, and the doctor said two hours. And she said, oh, oh, no longer than that. He said three hours. And eventually the doctor said, if it was over six hours, this isn't good. Um, you know, that just pretty much destroys the heart. Mm. So. So it's uh, kind of sad that they didn't, they didn't realize it on Friday. Not that there could yes. have been anything done and but. I don't know that things would have been differently but but he was obviously having a heart attack at that point yeah hmm. um so what advice do you have for others in this situation you know people can say it all the time but you need you need to have your succession plan in place I will say we were we were on our way and and financially my in-laws had just retired and uh year before just a year ago and um le well less than a year ago this was our first this was going to be our first crop um with uh, without them uh, financially without them they were still working um have that succession plan in place and, and I, we're gonna make it and, and i'm gonna if i have to drive the combine or semis i'm going to but i think it's it's interesting. I think everyone should know how to not most everyone should know how to do the jobs on the farm. I think that's important. I've told, I told Chris that last year, I said, you know, I know I need to learn to drive a semi, but I, I think it's important that multiple people know how to do each job. We can't just, you, you can't constantly depend on one person to do a single job. And what about advice medically? Oh my God, take care of yourself. Um, and and I, I seem to be a broken record on this after the cancer and not going to an OBGYN or having a pap smear or um, you have to speak for yourself because the, it's obvious to me now that doctors aren't magical. Doctors don't know everything. Doctors don't know how you feel. They can only do so much. You, you need, you need to learn to stick up for yourself. You are your biggest advocate. You yes. are your biggest advocate. We have to keep saying that. Um, because we, I think we depend on doctors too much to know everything and, and nobody knows everything you need to, de you, you need to stick up for yourself and your family. Um, well, in my experience too, it, you just have to sometimes get to the right person. You know, I know yeah. how my youngest reacts when she's having asthma breathing problems. And I know when I, you know, I have a pulse ox and I monitor her, you know, like a hawk. And I know when I take her to the hospital that she's going to be wide awake because she usually doesn't want to be there. But I know as soon as she falls asleep, that oxygen is going to drop again. Right. And if I can't find somebody that knows that that's what's going to happen, then we end up going home and things end up happening again. And it's just, you know, you have to really, you have to challenge the doctor sometimes. Like I've had them ask me, well, why are you here? I'll be like, just wait. When she closes her eyes, that oxygen is going to go down in the 80s. 
you know. Yeah. And, and I think that's the key. And 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 on the other hand, I I think that doctors need to learn to listen because it's it's almost impossible to get into a doctor nowadays I, without going. I mean, around here, I'm going to tell you, if you if you are sick and need a doctor, you better just go to immediate care because any doctor you try to get into, even if it's your family doctor you've been going to for years, you, they're going to be two months out. I don't know what a person's supposed to do. I don't have any advice for that. But, but I like think we, I mean, we've in the past several years, we've gotten a lot more immediate care and prompt care places yeah. to go. Yeah. So maybe and, and it's just that model is changing. I think it is changing. And I, and I think we need to adapt to that because I, because I think a lot of times now we're just waiting to see those, oh, well, it must not be a big deal if my doctor can't get me in for a month. And, and it is a big deal. Um, well, it's a rural healthcare problem. The rural America hospital shutting down left and right. And then you're forced to go to a city to get the care. And for me, that's 45, 50 minutes away. Luckily I do have a hospital 15 minutes down the road, but if something big's happening, they transport you to Peoria anyways. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm not even, I wish I was rural. I'm not. I live, I would say 15 to 20 minutes from one, two, three, four, five major hospitals, five. But you're close to a large city. I'm close to a large city and it's still a problem. Um, we went to the, they took my father-in-law to the county hospital here, which is 10 minutes away. And, and that wasn't even a big enough hospital. They had to transfer him to Marion County. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I agree. If, if it's a problem this close to cities, it's a problem. It's a big problem. Yeah. And um you better learn to speak for yourself I, I, yeah. and your kids and your family. Um, well, and there's a lot more like physicians, assistants and um, nurse practitioners and maybe they haven't seen what you're dealing with. So, and, and my question now is also where are all these medical records? Because, you know, now they're online, but most of my records before five years ago would have been handwritten and I've had to switch doctors. I switched doctors after my cancer treatment. Speaking of which I switched doctors after my cancer treatment. I went to the doctor. So, so for four years, my main doctor's appointments have been with my cancer doctors. And, um, I, I do have a general practitioner now, but I got him, I, I had to switch after I got cancer and they sent me to somebody else. So the first time I saw him, I had lost 50 pounds from cancer uh, treatments. And I went a month ago and of course my weight is up, but I'm, I weigh 193, 193 pounds. And the doctor looked at me and goes, oh, you have had significant weight gain. And I'm like, well, no shit, Sherlock. I'm no longer on chemo. And he's like, well, we need to check your thyroid and all this stuff. I'm like, no, it's called actually getting to eat and not feeling sick. I, I don't know. I, I, I know that the healthcare system is broke, I guess is the word I want to use. Um, so my biggest advice is, is no know your body, know your family and, and be, be an advocate mm-hmm. for sure. Great and, 
I will tell you my other biggest advice is that you better learn to ask for help and not be scared to do it. Um, because, um, and my mother-in-law said it, she's like, I kept telling him we need to go to the hospital. And he kept saying, no, it's okay. Um, because he wasn't willing to admit that something was going on. And you can't force someone to go to a hospital. You really can't. Um, yeah, even an ambulance, they can refuse once they- Yeah, you can, I think that is my other big piece of advice is, is you can't be scared to ask for help or know that something is wrong. Because, because I, think, I think things might've been different. They might not have. And it happens in a lot of situations. People just go, they, they blow it off. I know I did. I mean, I lost half my blood um, hemorrhaging because I didn't want to go. Because I'm like, oh, no, it's nothing. Um, you, can't, you can't be scared to ask for a little bit of help. And, and, and in that process, once in a while, they're probably going to tell you, oh, you're fine. It's the common cold. Um, you're just having a reaction to something. But and that might be nine times out of 10, but can't let that scare you because the big things are going to be what's going to take you out. Mm -hmm. Do you think that some people are apprehensive because of the cost? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have major medical health insurance. We literally have health insurance for cancer um, and it came in handy. Don't get me wrong. But um, we pay, you know, we pay everything. I think we have like a $10,000 deductible per person. Mm -hmm. so absolutely um a lot of it is to cost it's a but big I, mess it's a big I, big mess but i well, think you I, we had this incident so i took my youngest to prompt care the prompt care doctor said you need to go to the hospital in an ambulance so we went into the children's hospital in an ambulance and then i got billed because when she got to the children's um hospital they didn't fully admit her so I had to pay the ambulance bill. Had they fully admitted her, then the insurance would have covered it. But it was the prompt care doctor that said, you need to go to the hospital in an ambulance and they still wouldn't pay for it. Yeah, I don't understand that. There's ways, and I don't, I don't, I don't understand that at all. Why, why there would be a difference. Um, I don't know. I mean, I didn't choose to go to that. No. You know, it wasn't yeah, like it I was overreacting. Say, yeah. You no, know, the doctor saw something and was like, oh no, you're, you need to go in an ambulance. You need to go now. Right. Yeah. That sucks. Um, so insurance denied it because of that. They denied the ambulance ride. Yes. Did they, um, negotiate for most of the hospital? No. Cause I will tell you, our insurance is really good about, we have to pay, um, like I said, we have a 10,000, I think it's $10,000 deductible, something like that. And we have to pay everything, but everything is billed through our insurance first and insurance negotiates it down to their rate. And so then we pay that. Uh, it was sent to the insurance and the insurance said they would not cover it. And didn't even negotiate it down for you. Wow, that sucks. I um, And I think every insurance is different to that I um I don't know we we have of course the older you get the you know the more medical problems you have uh, I'm telling you right now <clears throat> you can't be you have to take it seriously I mean I've been you know 
you have to take it seriously, you and other people. And you mm-hmm. have to, you have to be willing to go to the doctor yourself too. Because, and I tell Chris this all the time, it's like slowing down to do your work. Take a deep breath, watch what you're doing, be careful because you may think you're like getting more done or whatever, but the things that go wrong, if something catastrophic happens, you're just creating more work that you're not going to be there to do. Just like grease in the machine. You need yep. to go to the doctor. Yep. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you're just you have a combine oh. checkup every year. Yep. I mean, you do. Why do we do every that? year? Why yeah. don't you get a physical of some yep. sort? That's exactly right. Um, Maybe we just need the John Deere dealerships and the Case IH dealerships to put little, you know, nurse med, practitioners med in the. That's right actually a good idea. Desk or the parts desk, and you can get your blood pressure checked while you're picking up. Your- <laughs> well, maybe that's the oh, Maybe oh, not that point. Because when they see how much the parts are, their blood pressures are going to go. How long they might have to high. wait for it. Yeah. 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 It's not oh. a bad idea. Those, have you seen the TikToks with the rural doctors and the a farmer came in on his own? Oh, his yes. wife didn't know. Yeah. Yes. True. And oh my God, it must be serious if he came in from harvest. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, you know, and and definitely take care of yourself. It's, it's. And heart attacks come at all ages, you know, just because you're 30 doesn't mean anything. And that's the other thing. Like if you have a family history, let's, let's get this. There are so many things we can do nowadays, like heart scans and preemptive. So we have a baseline to work from. Uh, I've been telling Chris since the day is the minute his dad went into the hospital, get a heart scan. You, this, you are like, you're eating a lot of bacon. He'll be the, he'll be the fourth generation with that could have heart issues. Hmm. Um, let's, let's do some you know, um, use modern medicine. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. We use technology in the field. Let's use technology for our health. Let's figure out before something goes wrong and, Mm -hmm. and work backwards. Let's, let's start, you know, planning what and planning to fail. Now, what is it when you're, why can't I think of the words? My words aren't coming to me today. You know, let's be preemptive is preemptive, right? Let's be prepared prepared let's i don't know let's let's think let's be ready well and so the last couple days i've seen it must be the anniversary of brad peel's death and brad also had a massive heart attack you know we've lost we lost him we lost steve volkert um stephen feller yeah you know we've lost a lot of big twitter names in the past few years that have had major medical issues so hopefully no. Those, yeah, those heart scans, I don't, I, I've talked to several different people about it and there's several different levels of them, but they're, I mean, I think around here, they start for like $45, $45. I mean, I spend that on donuts. So <laughs> I think we can, you know, I think you can spend it on something else too. Spend it on, on your heart to at least yeah. get a baseline. I tell Chris, let's see a baseline with what we're working with. I mean, you mm-hmm. may not have any problems, at least we know. Mm-hmm. Um, so and that's what we do with our livestock. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do it with our equipment, our livestock. I mean, you know, you want to do it. You, you take care of your kids. I mean, 
you know, your dogs. How often do you take your dog to the vet? Let's, let's, you know, we fight heartworm. Let's. I spent more than 45 bucks yesterday to get mine spayed. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's time we start investing that much time and energy into ourselves as well. Amen. Yes. Well, to wrap things up here, I want Karen to be able to share that she was on a different podcast that she didn't sit in the Home Depot parking lot to record for. So Karen, can you briefly tell us about the Target parking lot that day, actually? Yes. But I have been in the big sporting goods parking lot and several other places, depending on where I am. So the use of technology to podcasting is great also. Yes. Yes. um, This week, I was on the War Against Weeds podcast with Dr. Joe Ilkey and um, Alyssa Essman. Um, Joe is at North Dakota State and Alyssa is at Ohio State. And I was joined by Rock and Roll Agronomy and um, Jason and then also Kyle, who is in eastern Montana. And we talked about crop injury with labeled applications of herbicides. So we didn't go down the dicamba rabbit hole, but we talked about on-label applications and how it differs if people, you know, how they feel about crop injury with on-label applications. So how can people listen to that? You can find it on all of the regular channels. It's called War Against Weeds. So the extensionists have done several podcasts. There's another one called I See Dead Plants. Um, there's one out of Arkansas that weeds are wild and the R is AR for Arkansas. Um, so if you're looking for things to listen to, there are some really good educational ones out there. Awesome. I'll have to go listen. I saw it was tweeted about the other day. I thought, oh, it's finally live. We can plug it on girls talk ag here. I do have another quick plug, um, next week the rule reveal goes live. It's a podcasting project I've teased a little bit before here, and we're finally going live with it, which I'm super excited. So I'm going to be interviewing Carrie Patel. She was a um, drunk driving accident. We talked through that and some other revealing topics that have affected her recovery, um, including opioids and her dependency on that really interesting conversation. Then, um, Ken Root, who's a retired farm broadcaster from Iowa, he's been in Oklahoma, Um, he does some interesting interviews with um, government officials. Um, John Block is one of them that he interviewed, which was a great interview that he did. So take a look at it wherever you can listen to it. And then I also start my job at Illinois Soybean. So congratulations. Thank you. I'm super pumped. They're doing a lot of great work over there. Um, I'm excited to see what we're going to do together. We are called the agronomy girls or agronomy gals. I'm not sure which one it is, but it's an all female agronomy dream team. team, dream team. So super are you going to work from home? Or are you going to be working in the yep. office? So be remote. Um, a couple of days ago to the Bloomington office, um, to see how, you know, all that works out, but yes, stop by and see me on your way. Yeah, I will. So. Cool. Jen, anything else you want to share as we power down? No, I'm good. Just be careful. Be safe this harvest. Take your time. Yeah. Everybody be careful, please. Um, I say that all the time, but be careful. Take your time. Take a deep breath. You're 
something happens, you're only making more work for other people. Yeah. Dogs say the podcast is over. So (laughs) have a good week, everybody.